You know, it's not often that a uh, highly anticipated college football road trip actually exceeds expectations. It's even better than you thought it was going to be, more beautiful than you thought it was going to be. That happened this weekend in Provo. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. What a weekend it was in Salt Lake and Provo, regardless of where you stayed. Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Parker, I thought... Like we'd seen enough photos of that place, so I thought going in, okay, I'd been to Folsom Field in Boulder, been to the Rose Bowl before, but Lavelle Edwards Stadium, just based on the photos, it's going to be the most beautiful stadium I've ever seen a college football game. Forget that. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen regardless, man. Wow. I, I'm still, man, I'm just, I'm blown away at that entire experience. Easily. It, it exceeded expectations. Easily. The best road trip I've ever taken to cover... OU football, just in terms of the overall experience, and I covered the I covered the UCLA game at the Rose Bowl in 2019. So, I've been to co- one of college football's historic venues, one of its most scenic venues, and even so, Provo, Utah, and Lavelle Edwards Stadium blow it away. And the mountains that get all the attention, right, are the mountains right behind the stadium. But you can see off in the distance, there's snow-capped mountains on uh, 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 at the back of both ends, like just the whole. The whole scenery is fantastic, man. I, I, I don't know if I want to put it at number one. It, it, it was definitely different than a lot of places, but it's it's near the top if it's not at number one, man. It was, it was special, and I've never had more sweets in a day than I had in my entire life than on Saturday, man. Really? Oh, uh, you just cougar they tail? They keep bringing you ice cream or what? Cougar tail was fantastic. We had one of those before the game. It was nice. cold. It wasn't warm. All right, no warm cougar tail for us. And I'm not a huge like Maple Long John fan, but that was that was big time stuff. Uh, yes, I did have two ice creams though. That was a real thing. It ha- we talked about it all the way in the off season about BYU giving uh, ice cream to the visitors section. They were just throwing them, dude. They it's like throwing ice cream to the fans all over the place. The first one I had was like some, and and here's they had like three or four different flavors, Parker. Three or four different flavors. What were the flavors? I the first one we had was some like graham cracker sort of flavor, uh, essentially, and then we got another one that was more of a chocolate flavor. It looked like they had some sort of a strawberry raspberry looking flavor Ooh, as well. Ooh, delicious! But um, no, just the experience was great, and nobody threw me an ice cream down on the field, which I was slightly disappointed in. But all in all, zero complaints about that experience. Zero complaints about Provo, about BYU about Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Hey, while we're on the topic of sweets. Oh, I'm getting to it, buddy. Don't you worry. You've handed me a bag of what looks like (laughs) moon rocks made of sugar. So I wanted to give this guy a shout-out because there were so many Ref Army members that showed up Friday in Salt Lake, Saturday at Wingers after the game. You saw the photos. They're all over social media. So many OU fans showed up to Provo, but it felt like all of the OU fans that were in the stadium showed up to our postgame show on Saturday. There were so many Ref Army members. Like, Wingers is in a mall, dude. Provo Town Center is what it was. There were people standing outside the restaurant that couldn't get in because it was so packed. Now, a guy showed up with a box full of candy. And what are the odds of this? This is incredible. Shows up with a box full of candy... And he tells Travis, he says, hey, I have a shop here in the same mall we're doing our postgame show at, the uh, Provo Town Center. I'm a huge OU fan. I love listening to the ref, 
and I wanted to come by and drop off some freeze-dried uh, candy for you guys. So you're a huge eggnog fan. You basically have eggnog taffy that's freeze-dried in front of you, and you haven't tried it yet, but I wanted to give a shout-out to Good Vibes Freeze-Dried for dropping off a bunch of stuff yes, or on, on Saturday. Okay, so freeze-dried eggnog taffy? Yeah. That's uh-huh. Okay. I'm about to give this a try. Good vibes, freeze dried there in the if, Provo Town Center. If I can't talk, hope he's listening. If I can't talk for the rest of this segment, you'll know exactly why. <laughs> it's gonna melt in your mouth. Here, here it comes. There it is. He has devoured it. He's thinking about it. He's trying to figure out. He loves him some eggnog, but how does he feel about eggnog taffy that's freeze dried? I think he's starting to formulate an opinion here based on his face. There's some nodding going on, really looking straight ahead here. He's probably about 15 to 20 seconds away from making his final determination of good vibes, freeze-dried candy. What do you think? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You can taste the eggnog. Love that eggnog flavor, man. That is authentic eggnog flavor. Now, texturally... It is a highly unique experience. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever. I, I don't think I've ever put anything in my mouth quite like that, from a texture standpoint. But as far as the flavor goes, oh, it's delicious. Uh, he brought us a, a ton of freeze dried candy, uh, cotton candy. I took that home. Our 13 uh, year old daughter Charlotte, I think, devoured all of that already. Really, cotton candy that's just free, cotton candy balls. It's freeze dried. So. No, I appreciate that, and everyone that showed up. I mean, seriously, I, all weekend long we felt the love, and it was. It was cool that uh, so many of you, so many of you showed up. We'll get back to the game, but this is a recruiting hour. Now, I regret to inform you that I just spilled four of these eggnog taffy balls on the floor. Well, so. uh, Brian Clinton's out there. I, I think he's still sitting out there. He was waiting to try one. He was waiting on you to try one. Oh, really? So you, yeah, you may need to to get with him. Oh, okay, on sampling well, it. Uh, Brian can have the ones <laughs> off the floor. I guess it still probably tastes probably still tastes pretty good. No. um... Well, let's just get to recruiting it for a second before we hit a break. And I saw Brandon Drum at the airport yesterday in Salt Lake, and he and I talked for about, I don't know, five minutes or so. And I said, you know, the recruiting hour is getting a little bit tough, Brandon, because there's not a whole lot left on the board. And it's, hey, here's the update on Grant Bricks. I don't really know uh, at this point. No, I don't know. I like we'll, we'll let you know when we know when it comes to Grant Bricks. And he laughed about that and said, yeah, that's kind of the way that it's been uh, It's been going now well, for several weeks. And Eddie Pierre-Louis did an interview over the weekend where he was like, yeah, I'm still considering visits to Oklahoma and Miami. Oh, and I'm geez. like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> poke my own eyeballs out at this point. <laughs> it's about how I feel with that one. Well, I, I kind of say that to say this is Grant Bricks, even though there's not a whole lot of information, it's the most pressing question right now with OU recruiting. It's the number one story when it comes to this recruiting class. I guess the real question is, what's number two? If Grant Bricks is the number one story going on with OU football recruiting, what's the number two story going on with football recruiting? The fact that Eli Drinkwitz is winning football I games. I know, gosh. It might cost him Williams when Aaron, and it might cost him a New Year's Six bowl bid, by the way, as well. OU. Imagine, like, what if I told you before the year? Yeah, Oklahoma is going to have a shot to get to a New Year's Six bowl game, but the uh, the team that's going to screw it up for them is the Missouri yeah. Tigers. You no, know, you, you tell me before the year. Hey, OU will go to a New Year's Six bowl game if Missouri can just lose three games this year. I'd say <laughs> that's going to be true by mid October, most likely. Or shoot, yeah. mid September. <laughs> wow. 
Did you did you were you watching that game Saturday night? Did you see I, the way that Missouri so won that game? I didn't see what was it, a fourth and seventeen, fourth and nineteen conversion to it Luther was Burden? Fourth and seventeen. Gosh, man. I didn't see it till yesterday. Parker's about to spill even more of those eggnog taffy uh freeze dried balls there. But yeah, that's um I, I think that that's probably right. Grant Bricks number one, Williams Winery number two, because really there's not there's not a third biggest storyline when it comes to this class. I mean, your biggest storylines moving forward, man, in terms of addition, like adding onto the roster, is about to be what you're going to do in the transfer portal here in a couple of weeks. That's that's really like we'll be talking a lot more about portal in two weeks than we will about this recruiting class. I, w- I would think. Yeah, and uh, look, Oklahoma. I, I th- here's what I know. They're obviously going to be looking for a defensive lineman or two in the portal. They're going to be looking for a tight end or two in the portal. They're probably going to be looking for an offensive tackle in the portal at this rate. Although, although, I think that's contingent upon whether or not Tyler Guyton returns. And I I would tend to believe he's gone to the NFL. Well, especially to that comment today, man. That was interesting by Brent. Yes, it was. Um, and I... I'd be curious to see whether they maybe look for a quarterback too. If maybe they say, "Hey, Davis Bevel, uh, why, why don't you go try and start somewhere for a year? We'll bring in somebody else." I, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. You could go a lot of different directions, but I, I, th- I think the glaring needs for this team are pretty evident, right? You need more beef in the defensive trenches, and you need a tight end with some experience and who has a history of production because that tight end room looking ahead to next year, Blake Smith will have, I, what does he have? Four or five collegiate catches, something like that. Caden Helms has one. That's it. Caden, yeah. Caden McIntyre has one. So you have less than 10 career catches in your tight end room as things stand and, and going look, into next season. I like Devon Mitchell as much as anyone. I mean, he reclassified, he's coming in a year early and he's still a top 100 player. Devon Mitchell is, you know, more than likely going to have a really good college career, but he's supposed to be a high school senior next year. Do you want to, you know, do you want to lean on that your first year in the SEC as your starting tight end? Not not necessarily. You'd like to have someone, like you're saying, experienced to play that position next year. That's played two, three years, has been experienced at that position. Like, not that Devon Mitchell can't play and be a factor next year. Not that he can't even be your best tight end by the end of the year. But you want someone that's uh, that's that's played a lot of ball. Mark and Blanchard says need a kicker. Oh, is there like is there like a more popular oh. freshman student at OU, just like regular student than Andrew Purcell right now? Because he keeps tossing out these videos of I him know. kicking sixty yard field goals, and OU fans. Dig him up, and they're like, how is this guy not on the roster? You and I were getting tweets during the game like, please, God, tell me there's someone in the 24 class that's coming in as a kicker. Well, that's Liam Evans, ladies and gentlemen. Liam Evans. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but off the top of my head, I believe the last time an OU kicker missed a field goal from inside 30 yards would have been Michael Honeycutt against Kansas State in 2014 when he shanked that 19-yard chip. Yeah, and he missed a couple of extra points that game as well, didn't he? He had a really bad day, uh, 2014 against Kansas State. That's that's probably right, and that was way left from Zach Schmidt on Saturday. Stillwater Sooner says, saw Parker at the gas station in Burlington, Mm. Colorado. I waved. He didn't wave back. Dang. I'm Mm. sorry about that, Stillwater Sooner. I, I... 
I didn't see you, first off, if that did happen. Secondly, are you sure it was me? Because we did not stop in Burlington, Colorado. We stopped in Seibert, Colorado for gas. I know that. We didn't stop in Burlington. Austin Seibert, Colorado is where you stopped Austin, for gas? Austin Seibert, Colorado. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Uh, yeah, we were driving through, and Brian Clinton turned to me and remarked, yeah, wouldn't OU love to have that guy <laughs> right about now? I do I do owe a you were right to a texter from the 405. Uh, they texted in. I think it was on Friday. Am I the only one that sees a close game, altitude, possible rain, cold, OU 30-27? to 27. Now, it wasn't 30-27. to 27, It was 31-24. But that was probably the closest score prediction that we got. So, yes, I told you you would get a you were right text. You are back today. Yes, you were right that it was going to be a closer game than a lot of us thought. I didn't think it was going to be that way going into Saturday, but boy, it, it didn't take that long to realize, ooh, this is going to be a this is going to be a close game today. OU's just not going to run away with this one. You know what happened on Saturday though? I think you figured out who your bell cow running back is. Yeah, only took you eleven games, <laughs> right? <laughs> but seriously, and, and I had this down today. You know, Billy Bowman's going to get a ton of credit as he should. Maybe that was the single most important play of the year after Dylan Gabriel's touchdown pass to Nick Anderson. Danny Stutzman with the strip sack fighting um, food poisoning. Like, there's congratulations to go around. But let's not let's not discount what Gavin Sawchuk has meant to this offense for the past three to four weeks, right? And with a backup quarterback in, a true freshman, Gavin Sawchuk really carried that offense in the second half. He did, man. He had over seven yards per carry on Saturday. He had the touchdown run that eventually won the game where he broke like two or three tackles. Let's give Gavin Sawchuck his credit today because more attention is going to Bowman or to Stutzman's play or what Jackson Arnold did or what he didn't. Gavin Sawchuck carried that offense in the second half, and they don't win without him. No, they don't. And I think what's, what's remarkable is he only carried the ball 14 times. And to have that kind of impact on the game that he did and to do that much in those 14 carries – Gosh, man, if you hand that, if you hand the ball to that guy 25, 30 times this weekend against TCU, you're winning that football game, and it might not be close. Um, and Jeff Levy said it after the game. It was kind of the one thing that we've all remarked about regarding Tawi Walker all year. Said, well, he never goes down on first contact. Yep. Jeff Levy was like, I'm not sure the first guy brought down Gavin Sawchuk all game long. So what you have right now in Gavin Sawchuk is a really, really souped-up version of what you had in Tawi Walker through the first He half looked like he did in the Cheez-It Bowl last year and what we thought we were going to get from him going into this year because you're talking about Tawi. Like there was, it, it felt like the running backs early in the year, they're getting you two and a half, three yards because they're not, they're, they're not breaking that first tackle, right? It seems like they went down too easy. Gavin Salchuk now is breaking tackles. He's got good speed. Yeah, he uh, he looked good on Saturday, and his parents were sitting in the same row as us. Oh, were on they? Saturday? Guess I, they didn't have to travel. Far. I think uh, I think Gabe Sawchuk was there somewhere. He wasn't sitting by them. I think he was sitting uh, somewhere else in the stadium. But yeah, Sawchuk family was there, taking in all the action on Saturday. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line. Some crouton to get to, a lot of Saturday to get to as well. Right here on the ref for the home of Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and of course you, the ref army as well. Bad news. Uh, my computer crapped out sometime between Saturday after the postgame show and today. Oh no. So I don't have the app map available to me right now. Here's the best I can do. And again, for the 10th time since Saturday's postgame show, and I mean it, like genuinely, 
Thank you to the Ref Army for showing out Friday and Saturday at our shows. Friday in Salt Lake, Saturday at Wingers in Provo. So I'm going to shout out a few out-of-state listeners that were there, and there's so many more that uh, I won't mention. I wish I could remember everyone. I, I wish I had a full list of everyone that showed up. But I know Chase in Orange County was there on both Friday and Saturday. Jim and Casper showed up. Jennifer in Vegas showed up on Saturday after the game. Heath in Atlanta was there. And uh, so many, so many more of you. We, uh, we appreciate, uh, appreciate all of you for your love and support. We do need a small Oklahoma town of the day, so I guess we'll rely on the text line for that. Okay, yes, yeah, send us your nominations. Send us your suggestions. We'll pick one for the end of this segment. 651-3439. And Ref Army Locator is brought to you, even though it doesn't work today, is still brought to you by Affordable Door Company, where they compromise on the on the price but not on the quality. Visit them online at affordabledoor.net. That is affordabledoor.net or 405-635-9499. Happy birthday to five-star defensive lineman David Stone. Jim in Arlington texted that in earlier today. It's been all over Twitter today. And that has been one, Parker, that we really haven't had to worry about since he committed in August. You nope. Know? You sure haven't. He's given you no reason whatsoever. And I'm going to guess that Miami has never gave up. I'm going to guess some other teams tried to get in on that recruitment, but... I think he sent out a photo today of him and OU stuff. He's back home for the Thanksgiving holiday. You don't you don't need to worry about David Stone. In fact, I think he's been one of the biggest cheerleaders on social media for this team this year. And it got interesting that week heading into the decision, yeah, didn't it? Did. Some people predicting Miami. So it was it was a sweat that day. That was it was the week before, exactly one week before OU played Arkansas State, right? That Saturday. Oh, and yeah, that's right. That's ever, what it was. Ever since then, then, it's been pretty smooth sailing with him. Yeah, can you imagine if he'd committed to Miami? And oh, we're gosh. sitting We're sitting here at the end of November talking about, can Oklahoma flip David Stone from the Miami Hurricanes? Yeah, it's been nice not to have to live in that world. Yeah. I'll be honest uh-huh. with you. We got uh, The Sooners got 99 problems. Mm-hmm. David Stone ain't one of them, which is great. Uh, okay, so the Oklahoma small town of the day. And I'm selecting this small town only because I always end up having to stop there to find an ATM after I inevitably forget that Oklahoma tolls are still cash only. Mm. Big Cabin, Oklahoma is the Oklahoma small town of the Where's day. Where's Big Cabin at? It is in northeast Oklahoma. That sounds like a northeast is, town, Big Cabin. Yeah, if I had to guess where Big Cabin – well, I guess down southeast would make sense, it too. It is – it is near Vanita. I can't recall if it is closer to Miami from Vanita or closer to Tulsa from Vanita, but it's close to Vanita. Okay. All right. Shout out to Big Cabin. I'm glad that they have ATMs there for your service. And I'm glad that you know that anytime uh, you need an ATM, that Big Big Cabin's your spot up there in the Northeast. The fact mm-hmm. that the Oklahoma Toll Authority can't take a credit card in the year 2023 is astonishing. I thought Let's it was all. Times, I thought people. it was. Plate pay now. That's the, that's what they did with the toll. No, is that not the thing? No. If okay. you don't if you don't have a Pike Pass mm-hmm. like me, I know I'm overdue. I need to get a Pike Pass. But if you don't have a Pike Pass, you have to pay with cash. I never carry cash, mm. so millennial right there. But I'm actually the same way. I never carry cash yeah, either. Five eight zero K Steve says Tyler. Thanks for taking the time to talk for a bit on Friday. Yeah, loved it. Uh, that's like my favorite part of a road trip is. Uh, Hanging out with everyone and uh, having a good time on Friday and Saturday before and after the game. It's awesome. Love that so much. And we gave out a bunch of new red ref koozies, which is pretty cool as well. I had an entire backpack going to the airport. 
I had my backpack, a little carry-on, and I rolled it through the security. I'm like, I wonder what they think about a backpack with a small speaker and about 85 red koozies in there. wonder what they're – like, this guy's <laughs> about to have a real good time. And he did. Hey, what, are, what are those red koozies made out of? Uh, That's probably what the TSA was thinking. Probably so. Um, this seems like a silly question because we've been kind of joking about this for several weeks. Like, well, the West Virginia game is really kind of the final weekend to get – who you want in for a visit. They got any weekend visitors or Friday visitors on tap for this game against TCU? So that I don't know yet. It, I would imagine – well, because here, here's the thing. Here's what you have to consider. A lot of these guys are still playing in playoff games. Absolutely, yeah. So, for instance, I was texting back and forth with Andy Bass the other day. Andy Bass has 58 total touchdowns this year. Mm, not uh, bad. Gatorade play of the year? I would say so. 12 games, 58 total touchdowns. And if he'd played full games in each of those contests, he's probably he's probably north of eighty right now. But uh, he was like, "Yeah, I play at." Uh, I, I was like, "Man, I want to come see you this weekend. Where are you playing?" He said, uh, "We play in Newcastle against Marlowe, one p.m. on Friday." I was like, "Dang, man, that's right in the middle of the OU game." So, got to figure, especially with it being the day after Thanksgiving, an eleven a.m. kick, and so many of these guys still playing out their high school seasons. It's not going to be a very substantial visitor list on yeah. Friday. And maybe some of those guys are even uh, committed players, you, you know, or PWO players that may just be taking a visit just there if they're not playing anymore. Like um, like a Michael Patterson McDonald, I have no idea. I'm just giving some examples here of some local prospects who are already committed out of the playoffs and have a chance to make it there on Saturday. So I wouldn't expect a big uh, visitor list either. Is it this week where Grant Bricks is supposed to be in Manhattan? Is, is that this is correct. The, and what's the scuttlebutt on that? Is he going to make it to Manhattan for I Farmageddon? I, I know of no reason why he wouldn't be in Manhattan this weekend right now. So, yeah, there's that. So we'll just continue to wait. Keep waiting. You know what? I'm just ready to declare. I think what signing day is a week from today, right? Or a, a month from today. I think it's on the 20th, correct? December 20th? It is. One month, one, to, month away. one month from today is signing day. I'm just going to go ahead and expect, and I probably should have uh, been like this for a few weeks now, I'm just going to expect that Grant Bricks is going to make a decision one month from today on I, signing day. I think day. that's a good way to approach it at this point. Like If you get a decision before then, great. Fun surprise. But uh, it's hard to like, – there comes a point at which, like, okay, this is going all the way down to the wire. We got that way with Peyton Moen last year. Right. Yes. At a certain point, you just squared with reality and came to the realization that Peyton Bowen wasn't making a decision until he absolutely had to make a decision. And it kind of feels like it's going to be the, much of the same with Grant Bridge. Now, for some guys, it's it's this late in the process. Well, you know, I'll just maximize my exposure, maximize my decision. I'll have it on signing day to get the most amount of eyeball. I, I think Grant Bricks is going to decide on signing day, but I don't think it's for maximum exposure. No. It's just kind of, okay, well, here's not necessarily the deadline, but like the first deadline of, all right, I guess it's time to actually make a decision here. Do you remember a couple years ago when Deshaun Brown committed to Oklahoma State? And OU had very briefly made an effort to flip him. I'm talking like 48 hours they were in pursuit of Deshaun Brown, and it was looking like he was going to be a Sooner. And then it didn't happen. There were reasons for that. I, most people are aware of the circumstances there. But Deshaun Brown never committed to Oklahoma State. He just signed his letter of intent, and that was that. 
Like, that's how people found out. Oklahoma State football put out the tweet that, oh, hey, Deshaun Brown is signed. That's how everybody found out that he was going to be an Oklahoma State Cowboy. Wouldn't shock me if, oh, it's, yeah. if that's what you get with Grant Bricks. <laughs> 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, random edit drops from the OU football Twitter account. Hey, guys, they got Grant Bricks. Here it is. That, that'll be cause for celebration. Watch him sign with, sure. like, Minnesota. Oh, don't even say that. Don't even say that. EJ from Louisiana says, David Stone said in an interview he would be in town for the game. Okay, good. So, some good news there. 402, has Nebraska won a game since Bricks visited there? No. Yeah, no, they haven't. They're now 5-6. and six. They were, what, 5-2 and two or 5-3 and three They were 5-3. Yeah. They, they, they stretched it to 5-3 and three the day that Bricks visited, which would have been October what? Mm. 28th, I think. October 28th. That was the last day that Nebraska won a football game. They're on a three-game losing streak, and they got to beat Iowa this weekend to become bowl eligible. I will go on record, Tyler. I do not think they will beat Iowa. Uh, five and three, and they'll finish five and seven. That would be rather, the rather most Nebraska thing for uh, the Husker faithful up there. We do have a uh, commit date. This has been out for about three days now. But Kobe Black is going to announce on November 29th. OU's not there. That's Texas. That's Texas A&M, and that's Oklahoma State. So all signs point to Texas for Kobe Black over A&M and OSU. To be honest with you, Tyler, I don't really know, and I don't really care. That's I mean, you, you kind of have come to understand what that recruitment is about at this point, right? And – with as much, I, I'm always reminded of the Geico commercial, the old man with the dollar bill on the fishing pole. He's like, oh, almost got it. Got to be quicker than that. That's been Jeff that's, Banks. No, that's been Kobe Black with Oklahoma. <laughs> continually uh, dangling the dollar bill within their reach and then pulling it back. Like the amount of times he has pump faked on a visit to OU. I'm just like, at this point, I don't care. Yeah, the last two home games, it was, well, Kobe Black might make it in. Yeah, Kobe Black never made it in. So, Precisely. Yeah, so it, it, final three. Um, OU's not in the final three, so whatever. November 29th, Kobe Black will decide. Won't be between uh, OU and some other schools. It'll be A&M, Texas, and Oklahoma State. 405-651-3439. We'll uh, get to your text coming up next. More OU Cruton and... Oh boy, A&M looks like they're about to lose another five-star. We'll bring that up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Jeff from OKC says, do you guys like OU taking care of TCU than watching the other teams, or would you rather want OU to be playing last knowing what happens when they win? I would definitely want what happened on Saturday to happen again, and that will be the case. Um, if OU wins, of course. OU is the first game. They play, they win, and then you watch the rest of the day. Well, Texas will be playing on Friday. OSU not until Saturday. But you're the first game in. You win, and you sit back and see if what you need to happen happens. And I thought during the postgame show, one thing that OU needed to happen was going to happen when Houston was up, what, 23-9, to whatever it was, on uh, Oklahoma State. Tyler? Gosh. It's a mantra to live by. Never trust a Cougar, especially not Dana Holgerson. I was calling it – I think Houston was up 14. I was calling it the Wendy Chevrolet Sooner and Houston Cougar game day wrap-up show. And then as soon as we went off the air, well, it all went to crap. Houston couldn't do anything right, and Oklahoma State You should have filibustered. I know. You should have kept the post-game show going. I know. It's my fault. It sounds like you're directly culpable here. It's my fault. If OU's playing in the Alamo Bowl against Arizona, 
and they're not playing in the Big 12 championship, it's my fault. Please blame me. But, yes, uh, Jeff, I would rather uh, be the first game in. You the same? You you like watching uh, getting the OU game out of the way and then watching the rest of the day or the next two days, I guess? I I think so. It's less agonizing that way, you know, because that way – now, that way you can sweat it out from the comfort of home as opposed to in the chill, in the cold, out at Owen Field with your team having to basically do well, – well, and also, like, A, if you're the last team to play and you do have the possibility of being able to go to Arlington, then you're – I mean, you're just stressed. Like, that's a stressful situation to sit there and watch a football game in. But also – Let's just say Texas and Oklahoma State win. Well, then you're sitting there. Takes the suspense out of the game, doesn't it? There is no suspense to be had there. It's like, okay, well, whatever happens, happens. Going to the same place regardless. 731 says, whose recruiting class has the more likely chance of imploding? Ooh, this is a good question. A&M, Florida, or Miami? Well, Florida's has already started to implode over the course of the past two, two and a half weeks. A&M, it looks like they're about to lose five-star Cam Coleman to Auburn. Um, so, really, I think A&M and Florida are probably the two most likely candidates. And, yeah, I, I think A&M could, could ultimately be that candidate. We'll see what happens here moving forward. Which one out of those three do you think has the biggest chance of uh, imploding? I would say it's probably A&M because, A- like, we – Right now, I would figure we would we would have had some clarity as to who the next head coach at A and M was going to be. Doesn't like there's not a, there's not like a ton close. of buzz. Yeah. Like, she had a, no, they're not close, mm. which means it's not Lincoln Riley. Yeah, but they're only three plays away from totally changing the seven and five year that they had. Didn't you hear him? Well, I mean, you know, three plays go the other way, then we're talking about a much different season. Okay, more losses, the same excuses, same excuses. Did he just coach his uh, last game at USC, or is he going to be back next year? Well, see, that's that's the million-dollar question because if he sticks it out at USC, he's not going to have success in the Big Ten. He's not, not next year, His man. team is not engineered to have success in the Big Ten. And if he's going to succeed in the Big Ten, he's going to have to concede that some of his coaching philosophies need to evolve. So he can either stay at USC – and change, which I hardly think he is eager to do, or he can take another job and be the biggest villain in college football for another offseason. What's isn't it uh, two of his first three games next year? LSU and Vegas, and then he's got to play Michigan. I think that's two of his first three games next year. So have fun with that, buddy. Have fun with that if you're still out there at USC. Ron and Alito says higher probability of happening. Williams Winery flipping to OU. Or David Hicks transferring to OU. I'd love for both to happen, but realistically, not likely going to happen. Ask me again after AM mm-hmm. hires their coach. Because that that could be what dictates which of those things is more likely to happen. By the way, this just came across my feet. You remember Ralph Rucker? He, he used to be a quarterback at OU. Where did he... Ben Harris is the uh, Carl Albert quarterback I'm talking about. Yeah, Where did, right. Was Ralph Rucker an in-state kid? Or? No, he was from Lovejoy okay. down in Texas. He, so he, he ended up transferring to Bucknell and has apparently like rewritten their record book. Nice. Like, How about that? He this year he set single bring him back. He set single season school records for completions, touchdowns, and passing yards. So 
Well, break, there, there's your transfer portal quarterback that you're talking about. What did you say, Bucknell? Bucknell. Just, just do an even even trade with Bucknell. <laughs> Davis Bevel for Ralph yeah. Rucker. Who says no? Yeah. Do the NBA, the, 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 the people who talk a lot about the NBA do some site with the trades to see if it could work or match with the salary cap, whatever. I don't know. Uh, maybe one of those for college football exists. You just make a even trade across the board. Did I um, – and I want to get to this text to, to bring up something that I heard last hour. It's basically asking if Dylan Gabriel is healthy – uh, Colin Claremore says, is DG back this weekend, or does Jay Blanking A make his first start? If you would ask me yesterday, I would have said, I think Jackson Arnold's probably going to start yeah. on Friday. Yeah. But after what Brent said today, I'm not, I'm not so sure anymore. Do you think that was a genuine answer by Brent, that he's feeling pretty good about him here's, being back, or is that some gains? Here's what there? I need to do, and I haven't done this yet because I haven't had the space between the presser this morning and the show this afternoon. I need to go back and find out what Brent Venables said about Dylan Gabriel's status leading into the Texas game last year. Because I think if if you compare what he said on Monday of Texas week in 2022 to what he said earlier today about Gabriel's status heading into this TCU game, you'll be able to tell where things are trending. Sure. I mean, even remember last year before the Texas game, he was he was warming up. I mean, they, yeah. they took it all the way up into the kickoff trying to trying to send the message to Texas that Dylan Gabriel was going to play, which obviously he didn't. But, yeah, interesting comment uh, today by, by Brent Venables. I cannot believe, though, I heard a texter last hour complaining that, why did you put in Jackson Arnold? It takes away his ability to redshirt. Really? I mean, <laughs> winning so, that like, game on Saturday was the difference in a disappointing season and trying to carve out a successful season. Like, what, what did you What did you want to do? Imagine, there was only one option. Like, imagine the discourse today. If Brent Venables and the Oklahoma coaching staff would have kept Jackson Arnold on the bench and put Davis been a riot. Bevel in the football game, you would have been the biggest laughingstock not just regionally in the media, but nationally. Paul Feinbaum, Colin Cowherd, all those folks, they wouldn't be talking about Lincoln Riley today. Oh my! They gosh, would be talking man. about what a bunch of morons Brent Venables and his staff are for having a five-star freshman quarterback that they would rather redshirt than go win him a football to game. To keep a redshirt that may not even matter in his career. And as loyal listener Sean always points out, and he is right, you can redshirt at any point in your career. You don't like if you play your first year. If you play more than four games, it doesn't mean that you never get the chance again to redshirt. Like if it were to come to that, like Jackson Arnold could redshirt again in his career. But the the, the more likely scenario is he plays this year and he's a starter for two to three years, and then he's off to the NFL. So don't don't be concerned that. Jackson Arnold won't have a redshirt year. You needed him on Saturday. He made some big throws on third down, and he helped win you that game, man. He helped get you at nine and two. I'm just, I was, uh, I was really confused why someone's takeaway would be, why did we burn his redshirt in that game? You needed him for the entirety of the second half, man. You needed him. That that was the only move to make. The only move to make. He's your future at quarterback. He's your second best quarterback right now. You had to put in Jackson Arnold. Now I'll say this. And I think Jackson Arnold, if he does start on Friday, he'll be better than he was. That's a tough spot to come in the game. But at least to me, it's pretty evident which quarterback gives them the best chance to win a game right now. And it's Dylan Gabriel. 
Dylan Gabriel gives you your best chance to win. What's the text line? Great say text on this? from Jay from Adil. The true way to figure out who will be the starting quarterback Friday is to go to the second floor of the Gaylord School of Journalism. <laughs> yeah, someone do that, please. Um, Ronnie Crimson says, "Why is PJ playing this year? We burned his red shirt." Yeah, I just was just amazed. I I thought it was a fake text at first, but it didn't sound like it was a fake text. It sounded like a real text. So, and and what? Wasn't about 45% of the fan base, if not more, wanting Jackson Arnold a couple of weeks ago anyway? Now we're mad that his won't have a redshirt year? What's what's going on? What's going on here? I don't understand. Knowing that you have Michael Hawkins and Kevin Sperry and Brandon Zerbrug, for that matter, lined up behind Arnold also gives you an added measure of comfort in the fact that his redshirt year is now gone. Because by the time Jackson Arnold is a junior – you will have all four of those guys in the same quarterback room. And that is as loaded a quarterback room as Oklahoma will have had in a long, long time. 405-651-3439 is the Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll close up Locked In next right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with Macoma Santhoon. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC, their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone. Their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. They have all that and great pricing as well. That's Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. Text line pointing out uh, one of the big storylines from the weekend in college football, and yes, it's true, Cam Rising will come back to Utah for his seventh year. Um, he he committed to Muleshoe once upon a time, Cam Rising, and he's coming back to Utah next year to play college football. Very he impressive. He was committed mm. to Oklahoma all the way back in 2016. <laughs> Dang. Barack man. Obama was president. Baker Mayfield was uh, still on the campus of the University of Oklahoma, still had a year Nebraska left. Nebraska was bowl eligible. Whoa! Okay, now that. <laughs> now, now you're talking. Dang. That was, that was a long time ago. There's a tweet out there, uh, which, by the way, Muleshoe loses again, 7 and 5. 2 and 7. Versus top 25 teams, allowing 42 points per game. Nice job. But apparently uh, they're going to announce their newest defensive coordinator hire uh, by Friday at the latest. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of uh, staff shakeup there in L.A. Who do they want? Jim Leonard as their next D.C. is at the top of their Jim wish Jim Leonard list. is the leader in the clubhouse to get that gig, yes. And, by the way, USC had, USC had two wins all year against teams with a record of 500 or greater. Those wins were over Arizona and San Jose State. Nice. Hmm. And even that San Jose so, State game, that's where I, everything like, really started in that week zero. Uh, like, it, okay, It's truly astonishing. It truly is remarkable that that man can still sit there and say, we're three or four plays away from being a lot better. We're really cool. like. The fact that he be- believes he can gaslight a fan base and the media into believing all of those lies when the truth is so blatantly obvious to everyone that watches USC football, like <laughs> he's a it, ne- it, it never it it has no end, man. The lies and the deception and the manipulation have no end. Nine one eight. What are the odds of an OU USC bowl game? Zero. I'm seeing a lot of OU Arizona Alamo Bowl. Now, OU did get into a better bowl game than they should have been in last year because they're Oklahoma. So I guess maybe that could happen. Like the Alamo Bowl says, yeah, Arizona's a better option. Utah's a better option. 
Oregon State's a better option, but we really want this OU-USC matchup. That would be the only way that that would exist now, because USC will fall in a uh, in a bowl game, uh, you know, not not at the same level of the Alamo Bowl after a seven-win season. Yeah, they'll be playing like the – I think they're – they were projected to go to the Las Vegas Bowl Sweet. last I checked. Mm. Or like the New Mexico Bowl, I forget. Oh, God, like, please be the New Mexico Bowl. Please, please be the New Mexico Bowl <laughs> in like December 25th or 26th. Lincoln will want to go to Vermejo, his favorite vacation spot there in uh, uh, New yeah, Mexico. He'll probably, he'll probably coach the game from there Yeah, via Zoom. Berkey to uh, Vermejo. Uh, I don't know how far of a drive it is, but he'll make it. Hey, what's up? Uh, speak of the 24 class and not a whole lot of players left on the board. Talked about Grant Bricks. Talked about who you're still trying to flip. What's up with Cameron Campbell, who uh, OU offered just a couple of weeks ago out of the state of Florida? That which would be their 7th, 8th defensive back commit if they get him? I, I am under the impression that OU is going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach with that kid until they figure out who is available in the transfer portal that they might pursue at that position. And if the options are good, maybe you don't take him. If the options aren't what you imagine they'd be, maybe just go ahead and tell them, come on, come on along. Can you think of a better way of ending the show today than with a Doug and Norman text evaluating Jackson Arnold's performance? Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> JFA was adequate at best. He is not SEC ready as a starter with one half and a couple of meaningless series against bad teams. The good news is he has potential and some very good returning receivers to throw to. If the running game continues to show promise, there is no reason for OU to be any less than 8-4, and four, maybe 9-3 and three next year. Wow, that's year. actually a pretty reasonable Doug, what's me. up? Happy holidays, man. How about – he even said JFA. We're slowly but surely <laughs> indoctrinating him. It's happening in real time before our eyes. See you soon, Doug. Good to hear from you, man. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref.